The following episode of Mark My Words has been edited for this rebroadcast. Love Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mark My Words here on the Life Coach Radio Network. And today is January 19th, 2013. I'm Mark Shaw, broadcasting live from New York City. I'm a certified life and business coach, and twice per month I host Mark My Words, which is a life coaching oriented show where I interview various people with inspiring life stories of overcoming adversity. And sometimes I speak with authors of great coaching related books and programs, as well as many other as well as many others who have great things to say, various professionals who may be able to help you. So be sure to tune in the first and third Sunday of every month. So first of all, I just wanted to uh, give a shout out. I just walked in the door just moments ago after teaching a wonderful um, training weekend for a bunch of new coaches uh, at IPEC Coaching who just finished their program and are graduating and are soon to be certified. So congratulations, class. Great job, those of you who are listening, and thanks for a great weekend. So generally, when I'm working with my clients, one of the basic principles upon which I work is that of helping people make conscious choices rather than ones that are based on fear or ones that are simply from habit or comfort. While habit or comfort might serve us in the short run by helping us to avoid pain and discomfort, they also cause us to repel true success and satisfaction as we go through life putting up with and tolerating less than ideal circumstances, relationships, or careers. Or we find ourselves feeling... Uh, like we have no choice but to continue doing what we're doing, even if our happiness is limited or non-existent, or we find ourselves in conflict perpetually and ultimately feeling drained of energy. How many of you can relate to such feelings when it comes to money? I know when coaching people around money, the amount of fear and helplessness I often see in clients is daunting. And as the economy continues to do what it's doing on Main Street, that only increases. There's much conventional wisdom about how to make sure we have money to live on when we retire. And following that is comfortable and familiar, and there's some security in that. But what if there was some info that you didn't have, and it told you that the conventional wisdom may work against you in ways that you're currently unaware of? It's kind of like driving on a long trip and thinking you're moving in the right direction, but unbeknownst to you, you're going the wrong way. Or, for those of us here in New York City, you're accidentally got on the wrong train, and you don't know it yet, and you're contently listening to your iPod or reading. When is it would you want to find out that you're headed in the wrong direction, sooner or later? Well, obviously sooner, and the same is true for the road or track that we're on with our finances. The sooner we find out what we don't know and are then empowered to make a conscious choice to do something different, the better off we are. There's actually four pieces of information that most of us don't know that may be preventing us from making fully conscious choices and ultimately meeting our personal financial goals. So here to help us discover those pieces is Brian Dumont. Brian is a managing partner of Dumont Financial, and he's going to help us ask <clears throat> excuse me, and begin to answer these four critical questions, and they are, how much should I be saving for retirement? What rate of, rate of return do I need to earn? What age can I retire and still maintain my lifestyle? And how much can I spend in retirement? 
Now, Brian suggests that if you don't know the answer to these four questions, you need to begin working with someone who can help you answer them immediately. Brian is actually my financial advisor, and what I saw when I first answered these questions was a bit disturbing to me, uh, as they are to most people. So I'm glad that I have his help guiding me through it. Most people realize at this point, after doing this, that they will run out of money far sooner than they thought. If that's likely to be you, how can you improve? Well, the good news is that tonight we're going to discover some very practical things you can do today. So, Brian, welcome to Mark My Words. Good evening, Mark. Uh, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Certainly. It's great to have you here. Um, it was real important when, uh, when we were talking you know, some time back uh, and I started becoming aware of some of this information. Uh, I felt like, wow, this is stuff people should know. So uh, that's why I decided to have Brian come here and share it with all of you. So, uh, so great. So before we begin, uh, Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your company and a little bit about what you do? Sure, Mark. So uh, again, my name is Brian Dumont. Um, I have a practice called Dumont Financial. We're located at Rockefeller Center in Midtown Manhattan. Um, we've been there for about 10 years now, and we have a very unique approach to uh, financial work, and that is that we help people find money that they are currently transferring or losing, throwing out the window, and bring that back to their table so that they can save more for the future and hopefully enjoy today as well. Great. Great. Yeah, so working with you has actually opened my eyes in some good ways and in some ways that necess don't necessarily feel so good but are probably good for me in the long run. Uh, realizing that if I continue to do what I'm doing, um, I may run out of money in my, in my old age uh, didn't really feel so good, uh, especially when I thought that I had sure. finally chosen to do the right thing, right? So uh, the mm -hmm. good part of this was realizing that even at my current age, of um, um, 29, yeah, yeah, that's the day. 20. <laughs> I still have time. I still have time to turn that around without eliminating the things that bring joy to my life today. And I think that's something that a lot of people Absolutely. fear is, you know, I can do something about this, but you know, I'm gonna like never be able to go to the movies or a Broadway show or go out, you know, with friends because I have to conserve every penny I have. And the comfort that I have uh, from my my interactions with you, Brian, is knowledge that no, I can turn this around and. I I don't have to deprive myself um, of, of joy and happiness. So that is, that is so well said, Mark. I'm, I'm glad you've got that because, you know, I always say to clients, how much effort do you want me to spend with you to get you to reduce your current standard of living so you can save more for the future? I have not found one person yet who has said, yes, I'm up for that, Brian. So what else can we do? Well, that's what we're going to talk about tonight, actually. Great. Excellent. Very good. So um, I just want to remind everybody, by the way, that if you uh, would like to call in with a question uh, or a comment, uh, please feel free to. And uh, we'll be taking your calls here tonight live here on Mark My Words. And the number to call in is 646-716-9397. That's 646-716-9397. So, Brian, uh, when, when I'm coaching my clients, my work involves assessing where they are in the area of the life that they in the area of their life that they've chosen to work on with me, and then where they want to be at a given point in the future, whether that's in their career or their relationship, um, or as we're talking about in this case, their their finances. 
Um, we then create a strategy to get there and come up with ways to minimize the things that might sabotage their efforts, including, for example, limiting beliefs or fear, things like that. Um, and I help them explore by asking them some challenging and often critical questions that they may never have considered. Uh, in my work with you, I've noticed that your process is actually a bit similar. Um, so that said, as a context for the work you do, um, let me ask you, if, if, if you were going to give listeners a place to start uh, with how they can improve their finances, uh, where would you suggest they start? And can kind of give us an overview of your process. Sure, Mark. Um, you know, what I believe is that you can't know where you're going to go until you know, first of all, where you are and where you want to be. So I always begin every first client meeting looking at in a very detailed way where people are, what they're happy with about that, what they're not happy with about that, what do they want to see improved. And that sort of gives us some groundwork to begin. You know, I always say, uh, I make the analogy, you know, if you go to a doctor, does the doctor start by giving you a prescription? Well, of course not. Mm, you know, they right. start by asking you lots of questions, doing some tests, getting your results, and then eventually getting to actually write the prescription or what have you that they need you to do. And it's the same for us. You know, some people think, well, if they come into the financial office, I'm suddenly going to hand out a product, and that's just not the case. We need to start from the ground and work from there. Um, so obviously doing the detailed review. And um, then, you know, there are some critical things that we look at, and the data can help us tell. For example, um, and these are the questions that you were talking about earlier, you know, everybody should be able to answer this right off the top of their head. And if, and listeners, if you can't, um, this may be a wake-up call for you. But the first one, of course, is how much should I be saving for retirement? That is, on a monthly basis, on an annual basis. And then what rate of return do you need to earn on that money that you're saving, um, mm -hmm. given your potential time horizon, your risk tolerance, and, of course, historical data? So we need all of those things to be able to calculate that. Um, what age can you retire and still maintain your lifestyle? Because, of course, nobody wants to change their lifestyle. I haven't found anybody mm -hmm. who wants to. Um, and so the idea that when I get to Except retirement, maybe I'm going to spend less. Yeah, well, that's always easy to do, right? It's always easy to move <laughs> up a level. Not so easy to move down. Not so easy to move down, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea that you know I'm going to spend less in retirement is always a little perplexing to me because I say, you know, do you want to maintain your lifestyle? The absolute answer is yes. So how are you going to use less money? Mm. <laughs> right? So you're going to need a lot of money in retirement. And then finally, um, how much can you spend in retirement? Well, it depends on how much you want. Is it going to be how much you want or is it going to be only what you have available? And that, that depends, of course, on in part at least, on how well you've done your planning up to that point. Mm. So, you know, so my coaching when I work with clients is about asking the right questions and using the right tools. And this often causes the client to, to search for answers, which gives them valuable data that they need to then make some conscious decisions. When a new client comes to you, um, how do you calculate the answer to these four questions? Uh, is, it sounds like that might be a long process and there might be some assumptions uh, that you have to make in asking them the right questions so that they can you know, see what's 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 going on uh, in their financial life. Sure. Well, in fact, um, the answer to those four questions can be calculated in sort of a rough way in a very short amount of time, as long as you have the right tools. And I I do that in the first meeting 
Um, and it only takes about 10 to 15 minutes. And then, of course, we can refine that over the next hour or two, mm. depending on the complexity of the assets. Um, you know, we certainly refine that. But um, initially, there's just a handful of data that you need to look at. And uh, that would include things like your current age, your retirement age, your life expectancy. Um, the longer you're going to live, obviously, the more money you're going to need and so on. Uh, your current income, your investable net worth. Now, investable net worth means uh, what you have that you're going to or want to spend in retirement. Most people don't want to spend the equity in their home, for instance, so that is not included in that number. Mm -hmm. uh, your annual savings, how much you're saving on an annual basis, the growth rate that you can expect. Some people are have more risk uh, are, are more risk averse, um, especially after 2008 and 2009. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, they'd rather take less risk. I find if they can be sure they're going to have the money there and growing. And then, of mm -hmm. course, things like what, what rate of distribution are you going to be able to earn? You know, once you're actually taking the money out, you need to be even more conservative to protect your nest egg. Mm -hmm. And then something that none of us can really change, but we have to make an assumption about that, and that is inflation. Um, you know, inflation, if you look at it historically, for most people like us in our 40s or 50s or even 60s, an average inflation rate is somewhere around 4%. It's not 2 or 3%. And that mm -hmm. makes a big difference on, you know, uh, how much money we're going to need in the future. Um, defined benefits, future assets, future expenses, and do you want to leave a legacy to children or to uh, uh, perhaps a, a nonprofit that you particularly like. Those are all mm -hmm. things we can put into the calculation. And then, you know, and with the software that I use, I put all that in in a few minutes, press the calculate button, and come up with um, come up with the answers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. So I hear you talk about um, things like life expectancy and do you want to leave a legacy behind. That's really emotional stuff. I would imagine that can be pretty challenging um, as a uh, as a financial advisor to to deal with with people sometimes. How, how does like how does it feel to deal with that with people sometimes from your perspective? And I deal with that kind of stuff all the time with clients. That's a pretty normal part of my conversation. But I would imagine that in your world that might be a little different. Different. Can you comment on that a little bit? Hmm. You know, it kind of depends, Mark, on where people are at. In a sense, um, if they're very certain that, for instance, they're going to be able to provide for their own needs in retirement and not run out of money, uh, then legacy becomes an issue and how to transfer the family wealth. Um, in many other cases, of course, people are looking at college bills and then retirement and not sure if either one's going to happen um, and, um, you know, to their satisfaction. So legacy becomes much less important in that case. Um, so initially when we're doing these rough calculations, let's say, to answer these four questions right off the bat, mm -hmm. um, it's much less about legacy and just they want to know, is the money hopefully going to last through their lifetime if they keep on the path that they are? Mm. That, mm -hmm. that makes sense? Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So um, so great. So you, you, you get all that data, you, you put that all into the software, and hopefully with the click of a button, you get the answers to those. And then I imagine uh, that next is, is <laughs> some, some shock on their face, uh, some aha <laughs> moments. Uh, that must be well, a pretty interesting moment. <laughs> 
Well, as you you're chuckling because you went through it yourself and you yep. <laughs> you know what that feels like. And when the numbers flash up on the screen and suddenly someone realizes, you mean my money is only going to last seven years, <laughs> or ten <laughs> yeah. years, or even fifteen years? Um, it's quite you know it, it's an emotional moment. And I ask people, how do you feel about that? Because it is perhaps for many people the first time that they realize the money is not going to last. And, and what I have, um, I'm just going to run some numbers for our listeners because mm-hmm. you can't, you can't run your numbers today, obviously. But uh-huh. just to give you some parameters, um, and you know, as you're listening, take these numbers and divide them or adjust them in your head mentally, up or down, depending on if you're younger or older or if your income is more or less or your assets are more or less. So just to give you sort of a ballpark numbers here, um, if you were 50 years old and you were going to retire at 65, so that means you have 15 more years to work, mm-hmm. and you expected to live to age 95, if you died earlier, fine, you still have more money, great, but you just don't want to run out at uh, 88, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and today you're making 250000 and you have savings of a million dollars, that is, investable assets that you intend to spend, not the value at, of your at property. At this point right now? A million dollars exactly. at this point right now? Okay. At age 50, a million dollars, and you're making 250, and you are saving $50,000 a year. That can include what your employer might be contributing. So maybe you're putting in 25, they're putting in 25, um, 25 meaning you know 10% here, which is more than double the average savings rate in America, of course, but certainly not below what you should be doing for most people. And then you, we're going to estimate that you're going to earn 6% on your investments during uh, working years and then bring that down to 4% in retirement because you want to be more conservative. And Actually, course, let me interrupt you for just a second, if I may, Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, so these numbers, because I'm just imagining uh, most of my listeners right now thinking, oh, my God, those numbers are really high. I don't have anywhere near a million dollars in savings right now. I hope to have that at retirement. I'm not making 250000 I'm making this. I'm making that. Um, so I'm just, I'm just imagining that uh, unless where you're headed is that even in these big numbers, the picture doesn't look as good as we had thought. Um, so I don't know. I just wanted to throw yep. that in there, but go ahead. If, if, if you want to comment on that. <laughs> you're sort of reading my mind, but let's just follow this through here for a moment. So okay, if so you're making we're making all this today, money, and that's our financial picture today. Great. Okay. That's that, that just you know because obviously if you had a million dollars in the bank, you might feel that I'm doing just fine, right? I certainly would. Um, <laughs> well, actually, so, last week know, I would. <laughs> as of last week, right? So let's just follow this through. So. In retirement, you're not going to need to save the 50. So you're going to be living on 200 in future dollars adjusted at a 4% inflation rate. Okay. Uh And when you crunch those numbers, what you find out is that if you just stay on the path you're on right now, Mm -hmm. you're going to have money for 10 and a half years. In other words, you're going to run out of money at age 75 and a half. Mm. You, um, and and that's kind of scary, right? I mean, who expects yeah. to die at age 75? <laughs> right. I know many people older than that, and I'm sure most of the listeners do as well. And then um, if you were going to calculate – now, most people think, okay, look, 6%, Brian, that's kind of low on the rate of return. Maybe I could get 8 and that would take care of it, right? So we have a way to calculate that, and the rate of return you would need to earn on your million dollars plus your savings – would actually be 14.3% annually every single year 
There's never a loss. <laughs> okay? Now, wow. I don't know, but as far as I know, uh, Madoff is in jail. And so um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get 14.3% annually and never a loss. I don't know. But right. that's what it would take to not run out. Now, another way to look at this is, well, how late, how long would you have to work? How old would you have to be before you could retire and not run out of money? And that would be actually age 78. Some wow. people work till they're 78, but not everybody has the capacity to do that. And I find people say, hey, I'm 55. I want out now. <laughs> right. So um, 78 in this case. And then finally, and this is a hard one, right, because people say, oh, but Brian, I'm not going to need to live on 200000 you know, in the future. I can reduce that. And I say, okay, how much do you want to reduce it? And they say, oh, 10%. <laughs> well, in this case, in this scenario, in fact, you would have to reduce your spending by 58% in order to not run out of money. 58%. Wow. Who wants to live on 58% less? Mm-hmm. I mean, wow. where are you going to move to to do that, right? I don't know. Not going to stay in New York. I know that for sure. Right. I don't think, so, I don't think you can get a 10-square-foot a closet in New York for that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And and this one, this number I typically don't give people initially because it just is too overwhelming um, until we actually – go through the process of showing them where to find money that they're losing to help them. Oh, my listeners can handle it. Go ahead and give it to them. But, all right, here's the whopper. The whopper is what would you need to save on a monthly basis in order to not run out of money, right? And you'd be able to retire at 65 like you'd like to. And the answer to that is you would need to save $21,000 a month. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. All right. That's two hundred fifty-eight thousand, if you want to calculate that a year, which is obviously more than you're making. So, okay. So you see the magnanimity of the problem here that many people are facing. You've got a million dollars. You think you're doing well, and you find out it's just not the case. Yeah. So let me just kind of summarize that because that's a lot of numbers and stuff. And I know that um, a lot of my listeners aren't numbers people, uh, so it could be a little overwhelming. So you're saying that if you're currently 50 years old and you want to retire at 65 and you're planning mm-hmm. on living to 95 and your current salary mm-hmm. is a wonderful whopping 250000 and you currently have a million in savings, right? Okay, you're still going to, even at a, 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 a Six percent rate of return, which is reasonable to expect, right? Mm-hmm. That you're, you will run out of money by age seventy-five and a half. So basically, twenty years before you expect to to uh, to wonder if, you, if, if you've done anything <laughs> on your bucket list yet. <laughs> um, yeah. And mm-hmm. in order to prevent that, you would actually need a rate of return of fourteen percent, which is like right. nearly impossible, and work till age seventy-eight. No, it's either or is what we're saying here. Okay. Oh, okay. You either so, need to return a yeah. rate a rate of return of fourteen percent or work till age seventy eight or reduce your spending by fifty eight percent or save twenty one K a month. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And all those are really, really terrible options, except maybe working to age 78, unless you love what you do, like I do. I'm happy to work till that. <laughs> but uh, I think most of us um, might not, might, most people might not, might not agree with that, except, of course, for all the fellow coaches that are listening on the line. <laughs> so, wow. That's, see, so those are some pretty striking, um, striking realities. 
Exactly. And the, the reason for doing that right away, and maybe even tonight for some listeners, is because until you know what the issue is, as I said, how can you move beyond that? Mm-hmm. And the, the other issue is that when most people find that, they don't know what to do because they're already saving as much as they can, right? right. They're earning the rate of return that they think they can earn, and they don't know what else to do. So, you know, here's what I believe, and this is what I start to tell people, and that is this. I believe that you have more to gain by preventing losses than by chasing rates of return. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. You have more to gain by preventing a loss, that is money going out the window, than by trying to take on more risk to get a better rate of return. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, what that means is that we are going to have to look to find what I call money leaks or Mm -hmm. transfer, losses, Mm -hmm. okay? And... um, Like Starbucks lattes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in fact, that does not qualify as a money leak, okay? I'm glad to bring that up because... That's very good That's actually what I call lifestyle, right? So Uh I think that there's three types of money. One of them is, first of all, your accumulated money. Those are the assets that you have saved and are saving for your future, Mm -hmm. The second one, of course, is your lifestyle money. That's the money that you use on a daily basis to enjoy your standard of living, and that includes your latte, right? Mm-hmm. And then, the, and unfortunately, most people only know those two areas. So if they, when they come to answer the four questions like we have, and they say, look, my accumulated money is not going to hold out, what have I got to do, tighten my belt? Is that all there is? And mm-hmm. I say, no, because there's a third area of money, and that area of money is called your transferred money. Mm-hmm. That money is the money that's going out the window. Now, um, unnecessarily, by the way, and unknowingly for the most part, okay, mm-hmm. let me just give you very briefly what I'm talking about here. There are three broad areas where transfers can occur. That is um, in areas of protection, um, in areas where you finance your life, and also in areas like taxes. Um, when I work with people, we look in all the areas to find where the money is lo- being lost so mm-hmm. that we can bring it back to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you a very brief example here. In New York, of course, we pay a lot of taxes. Mm-hmm. A lot of places in the country we pay a lot of taxes. I'm not <laughs> sure. Of course. Uh, you know, one of the questions I always ask is, which way do you think taxes are going? Up, staying the same. Well, what mm-hmm. would you say, Mark? Uh, I would say they're certainly not going down. Uh, they're a little less likely to stay the same. Uh, I'd say it's a pretty safe bet they're going up. And that's what most people say, right? Mm -hmm. So here's the other part of that. Most people that I know, even professional people, doctors, lawyers, everybody, are putting money where? They're putting money into qualified plans Mm -hmm. where the money is, have they paid the tax on on that yet or not? No, no, right? They have deferred the tax, or another word I like to use is postpone. They have postponed that tax until when? Until later. Until later when they retire, right. Until they retire. That's at least the idea. So if you're contributing money, let's say... Which from what you're saying is going to be at age 115 anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, who knows, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, you know, when somebody's younger, let's say you have a listener here who's in their 20s or 30s, are they in the top tax bracket yet? No. 
Well, not likely. When you first come out of college, you're not in the top tax bracket, but you work hard, you do well, you succeed in your career. You know, you start at maybe a 15% tax bracket, you get into the 20, 30, 35, eventually 40% tax bracket. And if you plan well and you save well, you hopefully can stay in that tax bracket when you retire, meaning you keep your same standard of living. Mm-hmm. But think about this. If you're contributing to a deferred program at a 20 or 30% tax bracket, and then you go to take it out at a 40% tax bracket, did you win or lose? Right. You lost. So you put it away. At the, t- at the time you deferred it, at the time you deferred it, you actually would have paid less taxes on it than, than you end up paying at the time you take it out. Precisely. And is that a transfer? Right. That would certainly be a money leak. That would be a money leak. Okay. So there's an example right there. Now, if Uncle Sam, with the stroke of a pen, decides to raise the tax bracket, even though you haven't done anything, your income hasn't changed, can they do that? Yeah. Absolutely. Right? And they have done that, and they do that over and over again if you look at it historically. So. Interesting. Well, you know, this makes a lot of sense because, you know, if, if I'm turning up the faucet to keep a bucket of water full, right, so I turn it up, mm-hmm. and I don't know that there's a leak at the bottom that I can't see – you know, I'm I'm really wasting a lot by turning up the water to fill the bucket because it keeps running out the bottom, right? So the solution is exactly. not to keep dumping more water in. The 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 solution is to plug the hole, uh, to plug the leak, and that's kind of what you're what, what what you're saying here. Well said. In other words, really look at how your money works and find, for example, where are, are there potential tax losses? Where are there potential where am I paying debt that I don't have to pay? Where am I paying to use my own money when I shouldn't have to pay to use my own money and so on? Right. Right. Yeah. Those and I are the found, types of things we look for. What I found interesting too was, and this gets to the conventional wisdom and challenging some of that uh, in terms of a money leak. You know, we, we, we all tend to think, and you educated me about this, we all tend to think that, you know, not having a mortgage when you're retired is the way to go. You know, try to pay that off as quickly as you can. Try to pay it off as quickly as you can, so that way you have more money in your pocket when you uh, uh, when you retire. And you actually showed me that that too uh, could be a money leak because of the lost opportunities with that money and 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 things like that. And uh, I found that to be absolutely fascinating uh, for all kinds of factors that I think the average person doesn't really think about. Um, like I think the most valuable thing I got from our last discussion, Brian, was the piece about how mm-hmm. your money is the most valuable today. Tomorrow, mm. it's worth less. Five years from now, that same dollar is worth less. Ten years from now, it's worth even less. So it's mm-hmm. better to keep it now, right? Uh, exactly. And you know, because it's it, it's worth more now. So if I have a mortgage, I have more of my my money at its current value in my control to do the things that I enjoy doing with. And I, I just never really thought of that. I found that fascinating. And that's just to me, what's frustrating is that people don't really seem to get that. Um, uh, we just kind of go with the, with the conventional wisdom. Well, you know, I always say to people, what I believe is that you need to have your home paid for. I believe in having your home paid for. Mm-hmm. The way you go about doing that, however, might be a little different than what some people are thinking because in my way of looking at things, you know, a mortgage is just a financial instrument. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And it is not a financial, you know, here's the analogy that I, that I make for people, and I'll make two analogies. One is, you know, it's, is it the swing or is it the club that, 
that wins the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if we were going to send you to play in the Masters, uh, golf's most prestigious tournament, and you get to pick one of two things, any player's swing, that is their ability, or any club in the world, which would you choose? Mm-hmm. Well, you don't even have to have played golf to know, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Actually, you, give me a Broadway you, analogy. I'll do better. <laughs> you know, the other, the other analogy for everyone who's a Broadway person in New York is um, you're going to be um, – you're trying to win a Tony, right? Uh-huh. Um, and you get to pick one of two things. You can pick any actor's acting ability or you get to pick any prop in the world. What are you going to pick? Oh, clearly the acting ability. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would do better on that question. As far as I know, the Academy doesn't give awards for the best prop. Well, maybe right. maybe the best scenery or something, but you know, that's not what the actor wins, right? So, right. Um, that's really where it is. It's the yeah, same thing true. with our money. When it comes to finances, you know, a mortgage or any other instrument is it's just an instrument. It's what you do with that. It's how you use it that makes all the difference in the world. Sure. Sure. So basically, you, know, you you essentially help people find where they're losing money so that you can then bring that lost money back to the table so that they can use that to make up the shortfall um, with what they're unable to, to, to save otherwise. And you do that without changing their, their current lifestyle, uh, which is the, uh, the, the is, interesting thing about this. That is, that is correct. That is the goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I would imagine that that's not pretty easy. That that's not very easy to do. Otherwise, you know, wouldn't everybody be doing that, right? So I know that there's a tool uh, that you use uh, to 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 help people understand this. And uh, we're going to take a break in a moment. And when we come back, I'd like to talk about uh, that tool. If that we are right, it's your personal economic model. Um, and uh, those of you who are in front of your computer, by the way, there you can download if you have not already. Uh, you can download a diagram of the economic model. So if you go to mark my words radio.com uh and uh you scroll you'll see it'll say download brian's uh cash flow handout here uh or if you're on the blog talk radio site where the description of the show is where you've clicked the play button and the player uh then you can see in the show description there is also a link uh to go ahead and download that handout again if you have a question and you want to give us a call here at Mark my words, uh, please feel free to do that by calling us at 646-716-9397. And Brian and I will be more than happy to answer your questions uh, or respond to your observations. That's 646-716-9397. So hopefully you've downloaded the the slide that we have for you. Again, that's located at markmywordsradio.com and on the uh, on the page you'll see download Brian's cash flow handout here or if you're on the Blog Talk Radio Network site where you've clicked on the player to see uh, to listen to the show, you'll also see in the show description the link there as well. If you're unable to see that, Brian will actually give a description of it so that you can have a picture of it in your mind, which might even be more beautiful than the one that he's created for us. <laughs> well, thanks so, for a lot of confidence there, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> certainly, certainly. So it's called your personal economic model or PEM. So um, uh, go ahead and, and, and give us uh, that picture of, of, of what it looks like. Sure. You know, what I'm going to describe is what I think of as perhaps the most succinct um, picture, and sometimes, you know, as we say, a picture is worth a thousand words, 
of what is happening with our money, um, each of us really, and it all fits on one page, which is quite amazing. So picture, if you will, on the left-hand side of your page, a an income generator, a generator, uh, maybe a stainless steel tank, um, and on the top of that tank are two inputs. Uh, one of them we're going to call the earned income input, and the other one is going to be for inheritance or other sources, maybe royalties or such that you're going to receive in your lifetime. So money comes into the income generator from the top. It comes in, and everything that's going to be produced uh, you know, comes through that funnel. We call that lifetime capital potential. We have various ways to measure that, one of them, of course, being human life economic value. Um, and then picture at the bottom of this tank, this income generator, a large pipe that is connected to it, and that you know, is money flowing out of that pipe um, is going to be monthly cash flow. And then as it flows out along that pipe along the bottom, it hits a four-way divider. Um, we make it a different color, a brass color instead of a um, gray color, so you can notice that that is called actually the tax filter. So on a monthly basis, the monthly cash flow comes, it hits the tax filter. What gets caught in the tax filter goes out the bottom because there's an opening there. The pipe just drains money out. That's taxes going out the window. Um, and then what goes past the tax filter continues on horizontally until it hits the lifestyle regulator. That is what you get to decide you're going to set your standard of living at. Um, that is, of course, what we call your current lifestyle, and that includes everything that you're going to spend to enjoy your current standard of living. And what you do spend, of course, goes out the pipe and is consumed and gone forever. Once you've spent it, you don't get it back. Mm-hmm. Now, back up, if you will, a moment to the tax filter, sort of the middle of that pipe, because there's another pipe that leads up from that area, a smaller pipe, quite a bit smaller, actually, because that is actually your future lifestyle, the money that you're trying to save for your future. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously going up because how hard is it to save money? It's hard to save money. It takes pressure. It takes work to get money up that pipe. And at the top of the pipe, we have something called the investment or savings diverter mm-hmm. because we get to decide, are we going to put our money that we're saving into the investment tank on the left or the savings tank on the right, mm-hmm. right? Now, this is a very curious thing, actually, because in the vernacular, do people make a distinction usually between their savings and investments? Mm, Not really. Not really, right? People say it in one breath, my savings and investments, my savings and investments. And in fact, what we're trying to do here in a picture is show um, that maybe we can divide those two things up and maybe it's important to. So let's focus on that for a moment. On the left, again, is the investment tank. We're going to color that yellow, and we're going to put the big word risk across that tank. Why? Because, obviously, the nature of an investment is that it has risk. Right. It can, it can grow, and it can also be lost. Now, I don't know mm-hmm. anybody listening, if you've ever lost anything or had your account value decrease when even you were putting money into it at the same time. And for that reason... The top on the investment tank, you will notice, is not there. Mm -hmm. It's gone. And in other words, 
sometimes when we invest in something, the money simply evaporates, or so it seems uh, it can happen that way. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, by contrast, on the right-hand side, we have our savings tank. And so we have the big word safe written across it. It's green because we know that it's growing. And, in fact, um, that's the definition of what a safe tank is. Now, I want to be even a little more specific here and come back and talk about some of the characteristics of each of those tanks in a moment. But let me just finish describing the diagram here for everybody who's listening. There's also a couple more very important elements here, um, and that is that there's a little pipe. It's clear, and it goes between the safe tank and the investment tank, so from left to right, or from right to left, and then also another one that goes from left to right, from the investment side to the safe side. In other Mm -hmm. words, isn't it possible for us to say, okay, if I had a safe tank, money that I knew could not be lost, it was only growing, right? And an investment opportunity came up, maybe it's a real estate deal in Florida, I don't know, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. You could take some of the money from the safe side, flow it over to the investment side, make the investment, and if it goes well, sell the investment at some point and take the proceeds and put it back in your safe tank. Isn't Mm -hmm. that possible if you had a safe tank? Mm -hmm. Now, um, also, one more thing I'm going to describe on the picture before I'm finished, and that is that below those two horizontal pipes that allow money to flow between the two tanks are two valves. Those are the output valves, right? Because eventually what's going to happen is what? During your working years, you have money coming into the income generator and the money flows through. Right. right? You either spend it, consumed for lifestyle, or it goes up into one of your two tanks. Right. But once you retire, that income generator is now cut off, and the only money you have left is the money from those two tanks. And so you've got to open those little valves, and the money starts flowing down. Right uh-huh. for you to meet your lifestyle, it still has to hit the tax regulator, tax filter, excuse me, and the lifestyle regulator. But um, eventually, that's exactly what's going to happen. And so, if you plan well, you have money hopefully in both tanks, and you will be able to drain those tanks as needed in retirement. That's right. the idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Great. So that's so, the basics of the, of the diagram. Great. So I imagine listeners have been like kind of placing their money into both tanks as they're listening to try to imagine this and figure out how much they have in each. I presume that's what you do with your clients? Absolutely. And so, you know, one of the talks we have is, okay, let's look at where you have your money today, okay, Mm -hmm. in terms of where does it fall into these two tanks. Now, let's talk about that for a moment. Um, Let's define a little bit further what the investment side looks like. So investment side, as we know, has risk. What kinds of risk? What kind of risk does investment have? Well, quite a few risks it could have, right, if you formally Mm -hmm. study what is available. But the two primary ones we're talking about here or looking at are market risk, for instance. In other words, Mm -hmm. uh, you have a stock or something. The value of that can go up and down, right? So there's market risk Mm -hmm. um, in your overall portfolio especially. And then another huge risk is tax risk, right? As we talked about earlier, what if you're contributing at a lower tax rate and take it out at a higher tax rate? Or Uncle Sam 
for the stroke of a pen changes the tax rate, and you have to pay more than you were expecting or more mm-hmm. than you could have by paying the taxes today. You lost on that deal. So that's risk, and that's mm-hmm. what we have on that side. Why would anybody want to put some money on knowing that those two risks exist? Mm-hmm. Well, right. why do you they want do to put it? it? They do it because, because of opportunity. Right. right. I, so, yeah, I imagine the promise of the promise of a return that might be faster if you had it in the safe in the safe bucket. Right. So you know, uh, if you could hopefully in a good year like this, you know, the markets did well in 2013. Um, on the if you're on the investment side, you're feeling pretty good. After 2008, you're feeling pretty bad. So mm-hmm. you know, it depends. And of course, you know, there's other issues like this year, um, 2000. 14, we've seen tax rates go up again. So, um, you know, that's the risk on the investment side. Now, by contrast, on the safe side, uh, we have to define that as what? We have removed those two risks as much as humanly possible. In other words, we eliminate market risk, right? In other words, we want places where there are guarantees, mm-hmm. that our money only grows linearly. It cannot have any losses. And... Hopefully, we can even eliminate tax risk if possible. There are, believe it or not, places we can put money that are out of the hands or out of the reach of Uncle Sam. So we'd like to have that if we could, couldn't, wouldn't we? Because yeah. then we would have some predictability in our model. Otherwise, right. we don't really know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay? Bear in mind that there, we're not trying to say one is bad and one is good here. We're just trying to define what the two are. Mm-hmm. So if you've been listening to us define these two tanks, now you can say, okay, so where does my 401k fall? Well, 401k, for the most part, does, does it have guarantees? No. Does it have tax risk? Yes, because you haven't paid the taxes on it. So it falls on the investment. Right, it falls on the risk okay. side, right. Um, and as we said before, by the way, we, we thought we were protecting ourselves from taxes for now, but we identified that, yeah, but when we pay it later, we might be paying – probably will be paying higher taxes on it later than we would now. Yeah. So that's and, why it's on and, that left and side. regardless of whether that happened or not, you know, there is risk there. And the question is right. not whether or not – really ultimately not whether taxes are going to go up. The ultimate question is do you want risk? Yeah, right now it's risky because it's an unknown. Exactly. And so um, what most of my clients find is that when we go through this exercise, suddenly they realize, oh, my gosh, I'm all on the investment side. <laughs> I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. And then we say, okay, so my real estate can lose value. Well, I guess that's on the investment side. My 401k, that can lose value. That's on the investment side. Uh, I got some money in a money market or a CD. Well, that is earning below the rate of inflation right now, and it's taxable. I guess that doesn't really qualify as safe either, does it? Because safe has to be growing by definition. Well, if you're behind inflation, are you growing? No, you're not. Mm -hmm. So you see where we are. And then we say, okay, look, here's what you have. You're fully on the investment side. You've got almost nothing on the safe side. Is that what you want? No. Is that what you want? Most people say, no, that's not what I want. And then we begin the discussion of, okay, wonderful. What would you like? Well, okay, I'm 50 years old or I'm 55 years old. I've got a few more years to work, but really I want to start building that safe side because eventually 
I know I'm going to be much more comfortable having a safe tank than just an investment tank. And we start to say, okay, now we're at the level of deciding the process of what's really going on with our money here. It's not about products. It is about the process of what we want our money to do for us. Mm -hmm. And we begin to say, okay, now we're going to start looking at how do we build that safe tank? How do we start flowing money in that direction, not just on the other side? So I just want to be kind of kind of really clear what what I'm hearing here then is that you're not saying the risk side is bad and we should and we should have a safe side which is good. What you're saying is it's about understanding uh the features of the two, uh the relationship between the two to make sure that we're making what I talked about before, which is conscious choices about how much we want in each. We want stuff in both, right? Um, and yeah. that's what yeah. you're talking about, though, because right now we're making unconscious choices, automatic choices. Uh, oh, yeah, put stuff in the investment, you know. I have 401k, great. I own a condo or a co-op or, or a home, great. I'm in good shape. Uh, maybe not, right? Um, so that makes sense. And I, I'm guessing, too, Brian, that um, the conventional wisdom that does still make sense is that the closer you get to the time that you're going to want to draw that money out, the more of it you want on the safe side and the less of it you want on the investment side. Does that still hold in the, in, in, uh, in the way you apply this model to a client's life? Yeah, that's a real uh, great question, Mark. And, and in fact, you know, there isn't a fixed amount or a fixed number that I come to clients and say, well, you need to have right. you know, X dollars on this side and X dollars on that side at all times. Um, again, remember, there are two things to consider. Number one, um, we are able, if this is structured properly, to flow money in either direction. So depending on what's going on, um, you know, for example, if the next six months, you know, um, the economy tanked and, you know, you started to get worried, could you, if you had a, the ability to move things to the safe side, would you do that? Well, yeah, you probably would. And then when things start to recover, you can move or an opportunity presents itself you have money available to move back into that direction. So right. money is fluid in that way, and that's important so that we actually can maximize our opportunities. One of the things I find is that many people don't have what I call the luck factor, L-U-C, that is liquidity, use, and control of their money. They have their money in places they can't access it. Right, so it's not so easy to move it to the safe side because there's penalties for pulling it out of the investment that it's in that will cost you more than the potential risk might cost you. Precisely. So, you know, that's that's a transfer. Back to our discussion on transfers, if you have to pay money to access your own money. Um, But your question earlier was about whether or not, you know, when you get close to retirement, do I want more on the safe side? And statistics show this to be true, but the most sensitive time for anyone's portfolio is within five years of either side of retirement, five years prior, five years after. So that little spread of time, um, five years on either side of retirement, is when the sensitive time is for the portfolio. We need to have more money perhaps flowing on the safe side for that time. And I can't tell you how many people come into my office who are – at that juncture and have almost nothing on the safe side until we begin working, obviously. Why does it change back after five years after retirement? Because once you're in retirement, I would imagine you wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be okay, so to speak, to go and increase the risk side again, 
or or maybe it would be, and I'm not understanding why. But that's what I think I hear you saying. Well, think about it. As you get older, uh, you have a shorter time horizon and therefore less probability of running out of money given that you have a certain amount of money, right? So I'm, that's talking specifically from a statistical standpoint. It's not talking about from a maybe an emotional basis. Now, for most part, on the emotional side, once people get into retirement, the people I talk to anyway really want to feel quite safe. And so we work to make sure that they still have the opportunity for, um, you know, to profit from the investment side when things happen, but they're pretty sure that their safe tank is, is in place and it's available and it's the uh, foundation, if you will, of, of their plan. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think what what, what I'm hearing there, Brian, is that um, as we get closer to our, um, <laughs> for lack of a better word, our expiration date, um, we right. we start being able to see that you know what I do have more than enough. I'm going to be fine. So there's some excess, so to speak, in the savings that we can afford to start moving back into the investment side, um, and then we can sort of uh, leave that behind to loved ones, family, and things like that in, 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 in our legacy for them to then make decisions about and uh, that are based on their life expectancy and age and all the critical factors that you talked about earlier in the show. Yeah, that's, again, well said. Um, and, you know, let me just also say this, that each person's finances are unique. No mm-hmm. two people are exactly alike. And, for example, you know, a younger person who is working has time to create and use um, both the investment and the safe side of effectively once they understand how that process works. Mm-hmm. And an older person, either closer to or in retirement, still has time to create, um, to use the safe tank for themselves, and then even pass that on um, as a legacy to their children or their children's children. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'll tell you, Brian, I just, I just wish I knew this when I was 22. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, you still do have time to, to create this and, and to really make it a part of the way you think of your money flowing in your life. So, Sure. I, think it's a I mean, of course, 22, you, actually, oh, 22 was only seven years ago for me anyway, so that's not too bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, By the way, this model is only two years old, so it wasn't even there. It wasn't uh, a <laughs> It's hard to believe that this wasn't known. You know, it's 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 really interesting. So, um, so it's interesting. So you 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 not only give people um, the vision for a savings plan, but also the exit plan, right? You know, because there's there's a there's a, a correct way, so to speak, uh, or I should say, an efficient way to uh, to get money out. You know, because of what you said about a younger person who has uh, has the time to create and use uh, an investment uh, and safe tank effectively. So that's uh, that's 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 pretty interesting. Um, yeah, you know, exit strategy is actually um, shown can be shown in this model as well. If you think about it, you know, if you have, for example, again, a doctor or somebody who has a lot of money in qualified plans on the investment side, uh-huh. um, all at risk of taxes. If they have built sufficient monies on the safe side, when they begin draining their tank, it's possible they could, you know, when Uncle Sam decides to change the tax bracket or the tax rate, they will be able to hopefully take money out of both tanks simultaneously to potentially keep them out of a higher tax bracket by having tax-free dollars or tax-managed dollars come out of the safe side. 
And mm-hmm. so, you know, we work on building those numbers and, those, and that model uh, as well. Great. Because you're right. Great. You know, it does make a difference. The distribution yeah. does make a difference. Sure. All right. So, you know, we're we're uh, almost at the close of the show, Brian. And uh, so mm-hmm. I, I want to kind of ask you just out of everything that we've talked about, what are ba- what are the, the 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 basic bottom line recommendations that you would like our listeners to take away from this evening's discussion? Great, handful of things. Number one, don't assume that you won't run out of money. <laughs> Find out. Yeah, do sure. not assume that, folks. Please do not assume that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you need a real sophisticated model to make sure that you don't. If you try to spreadsheet it yourself, you're not likely to. Remember all the details of what you need, and your calculation is not going to be very accurate. Yeah. Find out how money works. The personal economic model, the PEM we've just gone over tonight, can give you a lot of insight into whether or not you have efficient or inefficient cash flow and how that works. Ask yourself, how much money do you have in the investment tank? How much money do you have in the safe tank? And ask yourself, finally, does what you have equal what you want? If not, find someone that can help you begin to structure and to use that safe tank effectively so that you can eliminate some of those unnecessary leaks that we were talking about and make sure that your personal economic model is efficient. And finally, I would say this. Realize that an effective financial strategy is far more than choosing a financial product. It's really understanding the process of how money flows in your life um, so that you can use the products effectively. Remember, it's not the club that wins the game. It's the swing. It's not the prop that gets the Tony Award. It's the actor. Mm. Great. So what I really, really like about your approach, Brian, is uh, the piece that it's about an education and an understanding. Uh, you know, working with you uh, to the to the degree I've worked with you so far has been more of really of an education than anything else. Uh, which ultimately, and this is this comes back to the basic um, uh, idea of the work that I do with clients as uh, as a life coach, and that is that you know information is is power. If, you, if, if, if a client has the information, they can make conscious choices that serve them. If we don't have the information, we can't do that. Um, so, you know, in my process with you, the information gathering and the understanding, which I'm still getting, I mean, you know, we had this conversation, we've been having this conversation now for, you know, more than a month. Um, and, uh, and that's, and that's after we've had other conversations over the last several years. So, uh, but this particular conversation, mm-hmm. we've, we've been in more than a month, and I understand it more tonight than I did, you know, yesterday. Mm. Simply from 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 uh, yeah, just simply from probing around on it with you uh, for the benefit of of, uh, of our listeners tonight. So, um, so as far as finding someone to work with who could help people with this, obviously you are somebody that can certainly help people to do that. So, uh, can you tell us how can people contact you, um, and what can you do for them if they contact you and say that they they heard they heard you on Mark My Words? Well, sure. I would uh, welcome the chance to talk with anybody who's been listening to Blog Talk Radio. And for being a listener, um, I'd like to offer you a no obligations uh, complimentary consultation um, to find out what's going on for you and where your goals are, where you'd like to be, and to see if we can make 
some progress for you in your situation. Um, to contact me, probably the best way is just to go on my website. That's DumontFinancialLLC.com, and all of our information is there and many of the things we've even talked about tonight. Um, so, again, I uh, welcome the chance to talk with other people. And, uh, Mark, I, I do want to say thank you again for inviting me. It's been a real pleasure here tonight. Um, and to our listeners, thanks for your time and happy planning. Thank you. Thank you very much, Brian. Uh, I appreciate that. And thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time to be here. And if anybody, uh, if you missed Brian's information there, of course, you can always listen to the recording of this show. But you can also go to markmywordsradio.com, and uh, you can see Brian's information posted there as well. So as we begin to, or as we as we wrap up, um, I just want to thank you uh, and tell you to feel free to mark your words if you'd like. If you have feedback for us that you'd like to communicate to the Life Coach Radio Network, visit us at blogtalkradio.com slash lifecoachradionetwork, and then click the follow button and send us a message. For feedback directly to me or to suggest a show topic, go to markmywordsradio.com and click the home contact button and scroll down to the bottom and fill out the contact form. I hope you enjoyed the past hour. I certainly did, and that you found it engaging, enlightening, and stimulating. I certainly look forward to speaking with you all again on my next show. Thank you for listening to Mark My Words. I'm Mark, and those are my words. <laughs>